Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, November 11th, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm a senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film senior writer and chief film critic, Chris Evangelista. Hello. All right, so a bunch of news that we want to get to today. First up, just really quickly, I wanted to mention that Transformers Rise of the Beasts and the new Star Trek movie have both been delayed significantly. Uh, Rise of the Beasts was supposed to open uh, this coming June of 2022. It's now been pushed back almost a full year to June 9th of 2023. And uh, the new Star Trek movie, which we don't really know that much about. We know that Matt Shackman, who directed a bunch of episodes of Game of Thrones and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, is going to be directing it. Uh, That movie was originally going to be coming out in June of 2023 and has now been bumped all the way back to December of 2023. So, uh, again, we're not sure if like the Chris Pine cast, that whole um, Abrams era cast is going to be back for that movie. But just wanted to, uh, to bring that to people's attention in case they were... You know, in case we have any hardcore Transformers Rise of the Beasts uh, fanatics out there among us listening, I'm sure somebody somewhere is interested in that movie. Beastheads, they call themselves. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so let's talk about something that uh, I think uh, most of us are probably a little bit more interested in, which is Leonardo DiCaprio's next movie. Chris, tell me about that. Yeah, so Leonardo DiCaprio is uh, going to play Jim Jones in a new movie. Uh, Jim Jones is, of course, the very infamous cult leader of the uh, people's temple in Guyana. And um, uh, that, uh, that, you know, that cult ended in a mass suicide. It's sort of where the term, um, not sort of, but literally where the term drinking the Kool-Aid comes from, because uh, when the authorities were closing in and it was becoming clear that all of this was a, a big scam and a big uh, problem as all cults are uh, Jim Jones convinced the bulk of his followers to all commit suicide with him. And it's just a nightmarish scenario. And uh, yeah, <laughs> so uh, don't expect this to be a, a uplifting movie, but this is really, um, I hate to say like, I'm excited for this because it sounds like ghoulish, but I am excited for this because I think this is very interesting casting because Leonardo DiCaprio does not play 
villains that often, but he obviously can do them very well. You know, uh, Django Unchained, whatever you think of that movie. I, I think that movie is very good, but I know some people don't really like it, but I feel like even if you don't like it, you have to admit his performance in that is very good and very disturbing. And I have mm-hmm. no doubt, uh, I have no doubt he'll be really good here too, because, you know, uh, not only can he play like a creepy, disturbing guy, but he's, you know, he's a charismatic actor too. And that's sort of like essential to being a cult leader. You need to trick your followers into thinking you have the answers. And I, I feel like he can definitely play a part like that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Do we know if there's a director or any like creative people attached to this behind the scenes in terms of writing? No, that's the only thing that's sort of weird at the moment that there's no um, director attached, and I don't know who they're going to get. They have to get like someone. I hope they get someone interesting for this, not just like you know. I don't. I don't want to. <laughs> I was about to say a director's name. But I don't want to throw anyone on the bus. You know, I, someone I care about basically is what I'm hoping for here. I mean, I think the the odds of that are pretty good because DiCaprio doesn't just you know work with uh, you know some schlub off the street. Like he typically is is very uh, director driven in the in the projects yeah. that he chooses. Um, it looks like the script was written by Scott Rosenberg, whose previous work includes Con Air, Disturbing Behavior, and, and Jumanji. Yeah, yes, the, the recent Jumanji movies. Very so, weird, yeah, very weird resume. I don't know if he, he's the right person for it either, but you know, the, the casting alone has me has me interested. Definitely. Uh, all right. So speaking of interesting casting, uh, Lizzie Kaplan is going to be starring in a Fatal Attraction TV show that is coming to Paramount Plus, and sort of on its face, like a fatal attraction show just seems like one of those instances of a studio or in this case, uh, a streamer like Paramount plus just digging into its archives and just pulling out any recognizable thing. You know, we've talked about this a lot in over the past several years, uh, just, you know, exploitation of IP basically. But, um, if they're going to do this, then attach somebody like Lizzie Kaplan and, and, you know, the, the primary role and you sort of have my attention. So like, uh, I, on, on a philosophical level, I'm I roll my eyes at the very existence of this project, but at the same time, I really like Lizzie Kaplan. So uh, I'm and I feel like she's, you know, the type of actor that could bring something really interesting to this kind of role. Um, Chris, I never saw Castle Rock, which was the uh, I guess the Stephen King universe type of show that was on Hulu, and I know that Lizzie Kaplan was in at least one season of that. Um, did you see her work in that show, and what did you think about her on on Castle Rock? Oh uh, yeah, she was on the second season, and she played uh, Annie Wilkes, who is the the character from Misery that Kathy Bates uh, played very well and won an Oscar for. Mm-hmm. And she was good. Uh, I do think she was kind of just doing like a Kathy Bates in Misery impression instead of like trying to make the character her own. But it was it was you know she was fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alexander Cunningham, who worked on Dirty John, is going to be the writer and showrunner and executive producer of the show. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, like I I'm, I'm, I feel a little torn about this, but uh, more Lizzie Kaplan is, is always a good thing in my book. So I just want to put that on people's radar as well. Uh, something else that I feel like a lot of people might want back on their radar is uh, the reemergence of a company that we thought was long dead. Um, Chris, tell me about the the zombified version of a, a familiar name here. Yes, apparently Movie Pass is coming back somehow, and I, uh, I I'll believe it when I see it. But uh, <laughs> Stacy Spikes, who was one of the co-founders, um, just bought back uh, Helios and Matheson Analytics, which is the parent company of Movie Pass, after a whole uh, bankruptcy thing, and a judge cleared the sale. And Spikes said in a statement, 
I can confirm that we acquired MoviePass out of bankruptcy on Wednesday. We are thrilled to have it back and exploring the possibility of relaunching soon. Our pursuit to reclaim the brand was encouraged by the continued interest from the movie-going community. We believe, if done properly, theatrical subscription can play an instrumental role in lifting movie-going attendance to new heights. Okay, so the obvious question here is, do you believe that final sentence there, Chris? Do you? I mean, obviously, the, the previous owners of MoviePass, the previous um, iteration of MoviePass just failed spectacularly because of several things. I mean, there was all sorts of, there are all sorts of reports written about how they were just wildly mismanaging the money that they had gotten and like they're making promises that they couldn't keep. And just like, it was a, it was a, a clown show basically behind the scenes. Do you think that, uh, you know, as he says, if done properly, there is a way for this thing to even work this concept of the theatrical subscription model? I, I think so. I really don't know. I you gotta have someone running the show there who knows what they're doing. And, you know, the, Movie Pass went over so well when it did because you know they screwed it up basically and they were, they made it like obscenely uh non-profitable to the point where you know they went into bankruptcy just be, and that was sort of you know that that very low low price when they first launched I can't remember all the details they have but it was it was like a ridiculous plan where it was like you barely pay anything and you get all these boat movies mm-hmm. and you know people were like, well, that sounds like a deal too good to be true. And it was too good to be true. And that's why it failed. So I don't know how they're going to go about grabbing people again without, you know, screwing things up where, you know, they, the low price is what, you know, <laughs> interest people. But yeah. I think can't... that that was definitely the draw. And I, I, I think you're right. I think there's no way that they can come back onto the market with that same price point, because that just seems like, uh, you know, repeating the, the mistakes of the past, but um, man, I don't know. Like I, Stacy, what, what was his name? Uh, Stacy spikes. spikes. Yes. I think if my memory serves, he was um, like you said, one of the, the co-founders of the company. And I think he was like forced out or bought out or something so he was not involved with this previous iteration that that crashed and burned so spectacularly. Um, I think he has just been standing on the sidelines, like waiting for this the company to get to a point where he could finally get it back. So now that he does, yeah, I'm, I'm curious if he is that person that you talked about that that knows what they're doing and and might be able to um, to sort of uh, give people a little bit of what they want, but in a um, I don't know. The term fiscally responsible carries a lot of baggage yeah. with it, but uh, but maybe a fiscally responsible way. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I think this is news that if, if this company does launch again, I think a lot of people are going to be um, like nostalgic for that time when you know, the, the deal was too good to be true. And MoviePass was like a big deal in people's lives. It was a, a um, an escape, you know, it was a, a balm on the soul of the nation in 2018 or whatever the hell was going on in the world at that time. So, uh, yeah, I'm very, very curious to see what happens with the future of movie pass. Um, I guess real quick, there's one other news story that I wanted to mention before we get into, uh, like the, the final one. And that is that Disney is still playing it by ear when it comes to day and date releases in theaters. Uh, there's not much here. I'm going to link to the article as usual in the show notes. And you guys can read Bob Chapik, the CEO of Disney, his whole quote there. But basically he just said, we're sti- sticking with our plan of flexibility. Uh, we're still unsure in terms of how the marketplace is going to react when family films come back with a theatrical first window. So uh, Warner Brothers, for example, you know, they've done in 2021, all of their big theatrical movies have, have, 
debuted on HBO Max and in theaters at the same time. They've said in 2022, that's not going to happen. So uh, there was a big Disney investor call yesterday and people were asking Bob Chapek, like, hey, are you in 2022 going to uh, cut off that whole thing of like movies going directly to Disney Plus with a with a $30 upcharge or whatever? And uh, basically the, the plan is just, they haven't made a plan yet. They're just going to sort of stick with what they're doing now, which I think is a, a wise move. There's no point in like, uh, planting your flag this early when there's so many question marks still on the board in terms of how people audiences are, are going to respond, you know, when once uh, the COVID situation improves a little bit more. So, uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for more uh, on on Disney's whole approach, and stay tuned to Slash on tomorrow because there's going to be a ton of Disney stuff. They're they're doing a whole Disney Plus day, and there's going to be all sorts of trailers and and uh, news announcements galore. So um, stay tuned for that. So uh, now, Chris, let's get into uh, the reason the, the real reason that I wanted to have you on was because uh, some news broke last night about a reboot of Roadhouse, the Patrick Swayze movie. And I want you to tell me about that and then uh, tell me why you think this is a a fool's errand of an idea. Yeah. So MGM, who owns Roadhouse, is planning on remaking it. Um, They want Jake Gyllenhaal to star and they want Doug Liman to direct. And uh, this is just a a terrible idea. What a terrible idea. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm not I'm not anti remake. And I do think you can, you know, you can always do an interesting remake if you get the right people involved. And I really like Jake Gyllenhaal, but Roadhouse, man, Roadhouse is such a product of its time. It came out in 1989. um, And it is, uh, for lack of a better word, a perfect movie. Now, I I don't mean it's perfect in the sense that it's flawless. I mean, it's perfect for what it wants to be. And what it wants to be is this uh, rowdy, stupid, violent, sexy, cocaine-fueled bit of ridiculousness where uh, there's a bouncer who has a PhD in philosophy and he gets <laughs> he gets brought into a small town to help clean up a bar and he runs afoul of a local evil businessman and there are monster trucks and there are uh, fight scenes where people rip someone's throat out with their bare hands and it's you can't you can't recreate that in this day and age like i just know how this is going to turn out they're going to make it like a dark and gritty and a quote-unquote grounded because that's the term they always use version of roadhouse and we just we don't we don't need that um (laughs) again i like jake gyllenhaal i i do like that he's in this period where he's playing like really unhinged characters but that's really not what this requires. I'm not saying that's what he's going to do here, but it just seems like that seems to be what he, he gravitates towards mm-hmm. at this point. But I don't know. I just, I feel like you, you can't recreate the magic of the original roadhouse. Um, you just, you can't, it's impossible. And certainly Doug Lyman is not the, the person to do it because Christ, what a boring choice that is. <laughs> like really, they couldn't think of a single better <laughs> director for this. I don't know. I, I also feel like, there's a good chance it won't happen because we've been here before. They've been talking about a remake for a while. Now, at one point, um, how do you say her name? Ronda, Ronda Rousey. Oh yeah, Ronda Rousey. Yeah, yeah. She was supposed to star in like a gender flipped version, and obviously that's not happening now. So my hope is that this just falls apart in the end, and uh, you know, I never have to hear about it again. Uh, so yeah. Okay, so Chris, let me uh, let me pose uh, an option here to you. What if Sam Elliott, who played Patrick Swayze's sort of a long-haired mentor in the original movie, is the uh, the evil like small town 
guy in this new remake would that um you know would that do anything to uh to ease your your uh, negativity here no i don't think so i mean i like <laughs> sam Alley. i just it just seems like a really bad idea there's there's what can you what can you do to improve roadhouse like oh it's in the it's in the present day everyone has cell phones like who cares like you can't <laughs> you can't improve on perfection that's all i'm saying you know you wouldn't remake Citizen Kane, you wouldn't remake The Godfather. You should not remake <laughs> Roadhouse. That's 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 my opinion on this matter. Oh well, the fact that you just put Roadhouse in in that company, I'm I'm guessing that was largely a joke, but still. No, no, um, no. I mean this 100. I love Roadhouse with all my heart and soul. Do I think Roadhouse is as good as those two movies? No, but I, I feel like it's just as sacred. You don't you don't. You know, you don't fuck around with, with with the divine. Leave leave Roadhouse alone, man. I um, you know, this is that. It's the same thing as Fatal Attraction. Like you know that stuff like this is going to happen. So if it does, I just I my hope is that they get interesting people. And I happen to think that Jake Gyllenhaal and Doug Liman are both interesting people. I mean, you do too. You you've said uh, or or at least with Gyllenhaal anyway. But I think Doug Liman is like a really interesting director. He's notorious for like being uh, troublesome behind the scenes in terms of like uh, overspending or like going, you know, uh, over time and budget and all that kind of stuff. And just sort of um, creating movies that, that feel like they're um, incomprehensible, but then, and sometimes they, they turn out that way. Like the, uh, the one with um, Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley that I didn't see that came, was delayed for like three years or something and finally ended up coming out. Uh, but then you have something like Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt movie, which she directed that, that right. I guess, you know, had some of those same issues uh, during the production, but ended up in becoming like a, a modern sci-fi masterpiece, I think. So uh, it's really like a, sort of a coin flip with him. I do agree that um, the Roadhouse is so 80s that it's, it's really going to be tough to like how would audiences react if the things that happen in Roadhouse happen in a modern day movie? I, I think people would sort of riot. Like uh, I don't think audiences are are in the, the headspace um, to be able to handle <laughs> that right. kind of stuff um, unless it's presented as a joke or with some sort of like winking quality to it, which seems to that seems go worse. Yeah, against the, the spirit of Roadhouse, which was, you know, I think a little bit knowingly ridiculous, but largely kind of played straight, right? Like yes. it's been a little while since I've seen Roadhouse, but it takes its premise of a bouncer with a PhD very seriously. And that's that's the secret to making that movie work. Like if that whole movie was like wink wink, it would suck. And yeah. the, you know, you, I just keep thinking about like when they remade Point Break, which is another Patrick Swayze movie, and like no one everyone was like, No. Stop it. You, you just can't. Yeah, it was like can't. extreme athletes or something. Yeah, right? it's like, yeah. get the hell out of here. Just like, again, I am not anti remake. I just feel like some things should be left alone. I also would just love if we could get out of this weird period we're in right now where everything being pumped out of Hollywood is like a constant. It's IP, basically. That's all they want is yeah. recognizable IP. And I'm not saying that's a new thing. Hollywood has always been like this to some degree, but it's we've entered this really extreme period where literally everything has to be some sort of recognizable title no one wants to take a risk on it. you know when the first roadhouse came out no one knew what the hell roadhouse was they took a risk damn it yeah. and it's and it's held up that's all i want i want some more risks 
Yes, uh, I agree. All right, well, yes, uh, that'll that'll do it for today's episode of Slash Film Daily. You can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That really does help us out a lot. So if you haven't done that yet, we would super appreciate you doing that. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.